0: You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com Hey please be seated. That's a good song, isn't it? I like that one, I like that a lot. It's good to remind us of who Jehovah is, isn't it? Who God is. Great to be with you this afternoon, I've just checked the time. It's really good. A Happy New Year! I know it's been said, but we've agreed it already, haven't we? It's uh, so nice to be here with you and uh, great to hear you praying for Pastor Jason and Linda. Uh, They're fantastic people, aren't they? Dear, dear friends, and uh, great that they're having a break. I'm sure Jason will come back with some dodgy Rolex or something like that, but um, it'll sell on eBay or something like that. Who knows? Uh, but great to be here. I wonder if you wouldn't mind if we just prayed, and then uh, we're going to get stuck in to what I want to chat with you about this morning. Father, thank you for that wonderful declaration of, of what you do, of, of, because it's who you are. And Father, I want to pray this morning that we'd continue to understand something of what you do because of who you are. And Father, I pray that each one of us will receive something. Thank you that you speak to us through the worship, you speak to us through the conversations, you speak to us through the teas and the coffees, and you speak to us through your word. And Lord, as we turn our attention to the Bible, I pray that you would unpack it for us and apply it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Now, normally when I speak uh, here at the church, for those of you who don't know, I come here fairly regularly and I do one of two things. I I either kind of do a talk that's aimed at people who are uh, not Christians, who are thinking about faith. And uh, give people an opportunity to respond to God Other times when I come I do a talk that's mainly for those who are Christians About how they can share their faith or try and inspire us to live lives That that impact other the people who don't know the Lord But what I want to do this morning is something a little bit different In part because as a church you're going through a series called On Your Marks Uh, You can see, is it up there? That, by the way, is Nathan in Lycra. Looks good, doesn't it? You wouldn't notice it from that angle, but I think it looks very good. And, uh, but yeah, uh, On Your Marks. Now, I love that series, isn't it? And what does On Your Marks, what is it? What is it? It gets you ready to run, doesn't it? It's getting you in anticipation. So I was really inspired by that theme. And so Pastor Jason said, if you can preach... From Mark's gospel that would be great so I've decided I'm going to do that but I'm going to do something that's a little bit more sort of teachingy than I might ordinarily uh, do of course everything we do is teaching but this is more specifically journeying through a passage and so I'm, I'm excited to get stuck in to this this morning if you want a title for those of you taking notes you can either call it a rough crossing or don't panic who remembers dad's army who's aware of dad's army don't panic that's it. Six of us watch it. It's a good programme. It's a good programme. And uh, so I want to I urge you not to panic, Mr. Mannering. Uh, and we're going to talk about a rough crossing. Now, has any of you here, just to get an idea, I need a little bit of a show of hands here. Has anybody here ever been on a ferry or a boat that's felt a little bit like the waters were a bit choppy? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few, quite a few. Does anybody here, was somebody saying me then? Brilliant. Does, does, does anybody here get like seasickness, travel sickness, motion sickness? Anything like that? Okay, quite a few of you. So you'll probably understand a little bit of what I'm going to chat to you about in these next few moments. Uh, my wife, Emma, get in fact, all three of my girls get uh, car sickness um, when we're going on journeys. I don't. Uh, Although I am the one driving, so I don't know what that really says, quite frankly. But they'll often have to take uh, travel sickness tablets. And particularly my wife, Emma, she can feel affected by it for days. Don't know if anybody else has been like that. And when one particular time we went across to Northern Ireland... um, and at Northern Ireland, you catch a ferry from Liverpool and it arrives in Belfast. And it's about, I think it's about seven or eight hours or something like that. And you go through uh, some rather choppy waters, quite frankly. It's not, it's not always, well, if often, it's a rough crossing, a rough crossing. And this particular time, it was really rough. I mean, I am not exaggerating when I tell you that the waves were lapping up onto the top of the ferry. We had to stay inside the actual ferry. I'm not making that up. And I have to say, even I like I am cool, calm and collected. Well, maybe not so cool, but I am calm and collected. Like nothing really bothers me. Nothing really phases me. And I don't know whether it's because I've got faith in God or whether I'm oblivious to the extent of the danger. But either way, I tend not to get phased very often. I'm pretty... Uh, just yeah, I'm just pretty chill out to be honest with you. I'm like the eternal, eternal optimist, uh, but I have to say, on this particular day, I was feeling uncool, <laughs> uncalm, and very uncollected, and I was starting to feel a little bit like whoa. And uh, a few years previous to that, we'd been, we thought when we <laughs> we went on holiday, we thought this was really a really good idea going out off the coast of Florida in a glass-bottom boat. You hear me? I mean, I think you're going where I'm going, aren't you? Yeah. Like, it seemed like a really good idea. Because, like, you get to see all the little fishes, don't you? You get to see some real ocean life that you wouldn't maybe get the opportunity to see. So we were very excited. And we were going to go out and do a, a few other little water sports. I'm, I'm not into water. I mean, I've showered, don't worry. But... <laughs> My wife, unashamedly, is the adventurous one in our family. She does all the water stuff. So I'm like, you know, she suggested slash told. So we went for it. But I tell you what, I was feeling weirdly ill seeing this glass bottom boat and for a couple of days after. So I get a bit a bit weird. My wife on this journey across to Belfast, she felt ill as well and choppy from the Florida one. But on the ferry across to Belfast, She felt so ill, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, that the motion sickness was still happening some four, six, eight weeks later. So she would be, excuse me, she would be in the car and it would just be like swirling around. So she's in a a bad way. And I told my dad about this particular ferry crossing because my my dad, when he was alive, was a bit of a water-faring man. He was, I think he was a bit disappointed in me, really. Because I'm not really into water. He was further disappointed when I had to be... Well, I went out in a blue and yellow rubber dinghy. I'll tell you that story sometime. And suffice it to say, I went very far out. And we had to call the lifeguard. It was a bit embarrassing, quite honestly. I'll tell you that story another day because it's in a great talk. But I'll tell you it sometime. So, um, yeah, I think he's a bit disappointed. So he said to me, son, next time you're going to go to see... He says, you want to have strawberry jam. Now, I'm I'm telling you as my dad told me it because I thought he was dispatching some great wisdom because he was a sub-aqua diver, dived on various ships. He also did some deep-sea diving, you know, those big hard helmet things that they wear. So I thought he was dispatching some wonderful wisdom to his son. He said, son, when you're going next time and you know you're going to feel seasick, have strawberry jam. Did you know strawberry jam was good for seasickness? I said to him, why, Dad, does it cure it? I'm sorry about this. He said, no, son, but it tastes nice on the way back up. <laughs> I mean, would, would we call that wisdom? Where would, where would we put that? Would we put that as Wisdom. I didn't try it, by the way, strawberry jam, just, just to put your mind at ease. And I'm sorry if you really wish we hadn't told that story. Uh, but 90, 90% liked it, so that we'll go with that, we'll go with that. But it can be really frightening, can't it, when you find yourself in those kinds of situations. You genuinely do think, like, is, are we going to capsize? Are we, is, the, is the boat going to get swamped over? And, and it happens, and so you feel quite nervous and quite scared because it's, it's something that is outside of your experience, something outside of your normal everyday life. How many of you know that whether it's a ferry or just normal life, things happen, stuff happens and uh, sometimes you might handle it in a cool, calm and collected way, sometimes you might cry, it might freak you out. You might be frightened. You might be scared. You might handle certain things well and then on another occasion not handle things so well. And if you notice, like what can be your storm is somebody else's puddle. And what can be your puddle can be somebody else's storm. Like I meet lots and lots of people. As you know, I travel around. And sometimes people tell me things that they're going through and I'm thinking, why are you stressing out about that? And then I'm sure when they listen to when I tell them some of the things I'm stressing out about, they're thinking, why are you stressing out about that? Life delivers storms, unexpected, expected, frightening storms. And how do you deal with those? How do you handle those? How do you walk this crazy world when those storms are around? Well, come with me, if you will, because I want to take you to the best place to go for all matters of life and faith, including. Dealing with storms. So for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll understand what I mean if I say turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And I'd like to read to you these words. It was a storm of all storms. Come with me. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. This was Jesus. Just as he was in the boat, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up Um, I remember a few years ago now, I uh, I was involved with uh, running a, a festival, a camp, and we were we were in a place called Bridlington, which is in the northeast of England, and um, we were right on uh, right on the shoreline. The beach was there, and at its best, it was beautiful. It was one of those things, you know, like when you're at a beach and sometimes like it just feels really flat and the sea feels flat and you're like, you look out and it's just incredible. Well, a number of us were sort of on the edge of the field and we were on the coast in a little village called Freystop, which is just about a mile south of Bridlington. Uh, probably most of you have heard of Bridlington, but you probably haven't heard of Freystop. And what happens is Fraysthorpe's in then Bridlington, it kind of, kind of goes out like that and uh, we, we could see where, where it goes out like that to, to the headland over there a few of us were just what was what's, what's that and we looked over and we, we kind of saw what I've never seen one before or since um, but what looked like a tornado you know where you just see the little spiral of, um, of what air whatever it is you Tell my meteorological knowledge is somewhat lacking but there was a twirly bit, that's the technical phrase, twirly bit out there and it was really strange because it like, it it felt dark but there wasn't any rain and and then within a very, very short space of time, I could feel the change in the weather, have you ever been there when you're thinking it's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to blow and it becomes really dark and like you have a mild panic, don't you? Because you come out without your brolly. Okay. And um, I could and it then start, it then started to travel. And my first thought was the marquees. Because we had about a thousand-seater marquee plus a load of other smaller marquees. And with almost without any break or shift in time. It arrived, and and it's re- it was a really weird moment because I could feel it arriving before it arrived. Does that make sense? It was building and it was building, and then it literally ripped through the festival. We nearly had to cancel it. We had some of the smaller marquees going down. We had loads of us holding on to this thousand-seater marquee, and it was the old sort with guy ropes for Grim Death, like holding on to it, like just trying to stop it going and. It ripped through and within a very short space of time, it was, it was gone, it was done. And we were kind of left with it. That was, it was weird. It all came out of nowhere, happened so quick, left a trail of devastation. And then there's the aftermath where the storms moved on, but it, it becomes apparent the damage that has been done. Have you've ever been through one of those in your life, You might not have been in a physical storm. But how many of you know that storms can sometimes come out of nowhere? Sometimes you can see them coming, can't you? But sometimes the pace at which it happens, the pace at which it's over, and then you're left. Anybody feel like that now? I've come to realise in the last few years that pretty well, and really I think everybody is going through stuff in their life. Even as Christians, we're going through stuff. Storms that come out of nowhere. And I think there's some great insights into dealing with storms in this passage. So let's have a dive into it. First thing I want to say, expect the unexpected, then the unexpected becomes the expected. A lot of expected in that passage. I think, expect that we're going to have storms. It's I love that, well, I don't love it, but it makes me smile that almost blunt nature in the New Testament when Paul was, I think it was Paul was writing and he says, oh, you live in the world, you'll have tribulation. It's almost like matter of fact, isn't it? It's like, here's the good news. You're breathing, you're going to have some struggles. It's true though, isn't it? It's true whether you're a Christian. It's true if you're not a Christian. The fact that you're breathing and alive means you're going to have some struggles, some hardships, some storms. I was reading this little story. I'm told it's true, but I don't know if it is true or not. Are you familiar with the phrase, stick it where the sun doesn't shine? Uh, You know what that means, right? Okay, well, there's a story told of Lily who was five years old when she received a CD holder with plastic sleeves for all her music CDs. Who remembers those heady days? Yeah, did you have that where you took your CDs out of the cases they came with and put them into a wallet so they were all together so that you could take them with you wherever you go? Well, this was one such CD. Her dad explained to her that CDs are really sensitive to light and heat, so she shouldn't leave the holder in the sun so it doesn't get damaged. Now, during the building of their extension, the electrician was working in the backyard and Lily had gone to play in her sandbox, leaving her new CD holder on the patio table. Mum told Lily she was going to put it in the house because she didn't want it to get damaged. So Lily stood up in the sandbox and said, Mummy, Mummy, make sure you put it where the sun doesn't shine. And the story says that immediately the electrician decided to take a break. I don't know what he was thinking of. Don't know what was unexpected there. Whether he was expecting that or he was a little bit nervous. But things happen. And in verse 37 in our reading, it tells us that a furious, a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, when you're like me, when you see the weather forecast and they put out a yellow warning, you ignore it. Because it feels like we've overcooked it a little bit. Like when I was about eight years old and uh, at my school, my, uh, no, I was a bit older than that, I was about 10 years old there was this massive snowstorm. Some of you will remember if you were in the UK at the time and it was heavy snow, snowstorms to end all snowstorms. And I remember literally opening the front door, me mother kicking me out and saying, go to school. And it was like, I mean, I'm five foot five. I think most of the snow was about five foot seven. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm wading through. So there's this over-egging of the weather forecast that we see loads these days. Like it's the tiniest, flakiest bit of snow and the schools have to close. You know, look at the news and all the parents are going, oh heck. All the kids are going, yay, yay. And it's like over-egging it. Uh, and, like, and now we used to, we'd go in the, like, a hundred of us in the, in the school gymnasium with one teacher. But we can't do that now because we've got regulations, you know. Just share that with you. But this was a storm, a weather forecast that I'm not sure they could have predicted. I'm not sure they could have over egged it. It says a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it, it was nearly swamped. Ever feel nearly swamped? By the storms of life, you might be feeling that right now. You might be dreading that. You maybe can see something coming ahead of you. It might be that you were nearly swamped or nearly drowning last year. And a little bit like that storm, you're living in the aftermath. Yes, it's, the storm is gone, but the, the, the emotional fallout, physical, emotional, financial, relational fallout of that storm. And you just, you just stood in a sense going, what the heck was all that about? It's interesting, I did a little bit of digging around because I wanted to understand the severity of this storm. The Sea of Galilee is 150 feet deep. Um, the shoreline is 680 feet below sea level and is surrounded by mountains. And so what happens is these great storms, it was known for having storms. These great storms would kind of come and kind of gather and they'd, like, they'd come over the mountains and then it, it, the, the mountains, because the, the, the sea was surrounded, would, it would like funnel, does that make sense? Funnel this intense weather into the Sea of Galilee. And it, that's why it caused such a swarm. So winds sweep across the land and come up in the mountains, creating downdrafts on the lake, combined with a thunderstorm that appears suddenly over the surrounding mountains. So it's, this bit's usual in that sense. The water stirred up to violent 20-foot waves. I'm not surfing on those. I'm not surfing at all, to be honest with you, but I'm certainly not surfing on those. The disciples had not foolishly set out in a storm. They knew what the Sea of Galilee was like. They knew what it could produce. And that's why they chose to travel at night time because the storms didn't usually happen at night time. They normally happened through the day when they were most violent. So they set off fully ante- anticipating a, a fairly peaceful transportation across this sea. And in even though several of this, it gives you an idea, even though several of these men were expert fishermen and knew how to handle a boat, they had been caught up without warning in this furious squall. And their peril was real as they battled huge waves that nearly swamped them. So come back to verse 37 now. You begin to get an idea of the, these were bonkers waves. This was an incredible storm that they weren't expecting in terms of the time and that they weren't expecting in terms of the severity. You can understand why they were frightened. The boat was nearly swamped. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those uh, programs on TV where they show you these boats bouncing around on these incredible storms. You're thinking, how are they going to survive this? You know, the world we live in, and those of you who are Christians, our lives are quite conducive to storms. We're living in a whole bunch of storms right now, don't you think? And I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to the aftermath, because it just feels like storm after storm after storm after storm, doesn't it? You know, we've had Brexit. That was a storm for those of us living in the UK and people living in Europe as well. That was a storm And then you're kind of just starting to get over that. And then we have COVID. That was a storm. And then we're just kind of getting over that. And then we have the the war with Russia um, and invading Ukraine. And we're just starting to get over that or in that. But we're kind of used to it a bit, aren't we now? Because we're just kind of used to seeing that narrative. And then what else? Cost of living crisis. And then this next situation that we've seen evolving. It feels like the world is in a storm right now, doesn't it? not? And I think I get affected by it. Or maybe you're so godly and spiritual. It doesn't really affect with you that you just walk two feet off the ground. Singing Kumbaya. Not affected by anything. But it affects us if we're honest. And I think it might be that there are people here this morning and even though you trust the Lord, you kind of lost your peace a little bit, either because of what's happening around the world or because of what you've experienced. And these fishermen would have had to battle it. So, you know, we have to battle the storms. It's not just that we totally, like, not engage, and it's just like God comes sweeping in. There's parts of it where we end up battling it. So if we expect the unexpected, then we tend to handle things better when it comes. Now, I don't want you to suddenly walk around like with doom and gloom expecting a storm. Why are you unhappy today expecting a storm? I'm not on about that. I'm on about just positioning ourselves. The scene that we have here is utter devastation. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we can sanitize it a little bit. That's why doing a bit of digging around is really useful. Listen to this. The Sea of Galilee is relatively small. At its longest, it's 13 miles. At its widest, it's seven miles. To help you understand that, when you get home, or you can do it now if you're bored, Google Guernsey, a map of Guernsey. Guernsey is an island uh, pushing towards France off the southwest coast of England. And uh, Guernsey, at its longest, is about eight miles, seven or eight miles. And at its widest, is about three-ish. So basically, the Sea of Galilee is like twice the size of Guernsey. That just helps you to quantify it in your mind, helps you to understand it. So, the Sea of Galilee is relatively small, 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. Josephus, who was an ancient Jewish historian, wrote that there were usually, ready for this, 300 fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee at one time. That's worse than the M25, it's a lot of fishing boats in a small amount of area. And um, many of them, I'm sure, would have travelled at night time when, when our, our boats sailed because they want a calm passing. We don't know exactly how many other boats there were on there, but the writer almost casually draws reference and there were other boats. So we know there were definitely other boats. We could probably sensibly expect that there were many other boats from what we know when we dig around. So that's carnage, isn't it? You've got the Sea of Galilee, this small, uh, more like a lake than anything, like, like in absolute turmoil with this boat, the sea lapping over. It's carnage out there. Verse 38 in our reading, the disciples woke up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned, you can understand that request, can you? I can understand it. Like, I have a dicky fit if something goes not quite right. So, you can understand why this picture of absolute carnage and the water lapping over so they almost drowned. Why do you not care? Would it be, I think it's fair to say they were probably screaming. They didn't go up and say, Jesus, do you not care? I mean, they weren't British, so they wouldn't have said that, but just just roll with me for the role play for now, the role play, okay? That's all we're doing. Like, if that had been me, I'd have been, close your ears, Jesus, don't you care? It's, have you not seen? It's carnage here, wake up. That's what I'd have been doing, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have been doing that? I definitely would. And so I love how Jesus just gets up. And he's like, I'm not being funny, but verse 40, why are you afraid? <laughs> I mean, it's like, Jesus, read the room. Read, I mean, read the sea, not read the room. But read the situation, Jesus. I, I don't really think you need to be asking them why they're afraid. Have you seen those boats bubbling along? Have you seen the changing sea horizon? And it's a fair request isn't it do you not care do you, do you ever catastrophize a little bit do you ever do that in your life like when it's challenges jesus don't you care or maybe you might not be so brave as so honest to come out with those words but you might flower it up a little bit by saying lord i know you care <laughs> but deep down inside you go, going i don't think he cares Lord, I know you're present in all the storms of life. I don't think he's present in this storm. That's really what we mean, isn't it? If we're really, really honest. We're, sort of, we're not declaring the word of God. We are clinging onto it for every fibre of our being and every last nail we've got. And if you ever cling on so much that you like your nails have worn down and you know, you just kind of slid off, you feel like you're sliding off. Well, I think it's a totally reasonable response that the disciples made when they called out to Jesus I totally totally get it I wouldn't judge them for that at all and it's really interesting so why are you afraid the Greek word for afraid literally means cowardly fear so here they weren't slightly nervous they weren't mildly concerned they weren't thinking life could be preferably different no they had cowardly fear that's that's deep isn't it that, that That shows that 's i 'm sure there 's some medical things happen when you 've got cowardly fear. it might look like they acted like cowards when they should have acted with faith in their teacher but i 'm not going to judge them are you i 'm not going to judge them at all, but despite all that, the disciples had seen and heard thus far of Jesus, and despite their belief in Jesus as the Messiah, they still hadn't grasped that Jesus himself was God, given God's power and authority over everything. So despite what they were going through, Jesus had the authority and power. But it's easy to waver. But I want to say to you, don't waver when the waves come. Don't waver when the waves come. Don't waver when... Put on the full armour of God so that when? It's the when it's going to happen. So that's the first thing. Expect the unexpected, then the unexpected will become the expected. Second thing, don't let the waves wash away the words. Don't let the waves wash away the words. I'll tell you another little story. There was an elderly woman. I don't know if this is true, but it did make me giggle. I think it might be. There was an elderly woman on a busy street corner who was confused "'and hesitant to cross because of the heavy traffic. "'Finally, a gentleman came up to her "'and asked if he could cross the street with her. "'Gratefully, she took his arm, "'but grew progressively more alarmed "'as he zigzagged randomly across the street "'to the blare of horns and the screech of locked brakes. "'Finally, on the opposite curb, she said angrily, "'You almost got us killed. "'You walked like you were blind.' He said, Madam, I am blind. And that's why I asked you if I could cross the road with you. She'd kind of got the wrong end of the stick. He'd got the wrong end of the stick and they nearly didn't get across to the other side. It was a nightmare. Whilst all illustrations do have a shortfall because Jesus isn't blind, the truth is walking with Jesus doesn't guarantee that it won't be choppy. Doesn't guarantee that there won't be a few blaring of horns and screeching of brakes. But I'll tell you what, he will get you to the other side. Um, when Mark recorded uh, this event in the Gospels, uh, persecution uh, against Christians had already begun. It had started. And so the story had become uh, quite an analogy for the persecution and trials of the early church. The disciples were surrounded by a sea that threatened to sink them. And so the church was surrounded by enemies all around who threatened to destroy the Christian faith. First, uh, through trying to undermine and then secondly, uh, through absolute persecution as Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire. So you can see this became quite a a story to cling on to, can't you? about Jesus being in the storm with them. But note something about Jesus. So yes, first of all, he calmed the storm. I like that. And he challenged them a little bit. But notice this, verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So Jesus calmed the storm from within the storm. He didn't come floating across the water saying, I'm on my way to save the day. Hang fire. No, he was in there. The storm was there. Jesus was in the boat. But he was in the stern. Now, the stern, for those of you who don't know, is where the steers person would sit. And it shows some real detail here, which is why we can fairly safely ascertain the person reporting this had an eyewitness account because he talks about the fact that Jesus was, was sleeping on a cushion. Okay, so that's quite detail, isn't it? So... So Jesus was in the storm. The person recorded this was in the storm. And I love that that Jesus was sleeping in the bit where the person who was supposed to be steering the boat was supposed to be. Now I don't know about you, but I'd be vexed. I'd be ragging him off there. We're trying to steer this thing. I don't know if that's how you steer a boat, by the way. I'm just give it. But we'll go with it just for today. So Jesus was in the boat. And, and he was asleep on a cushion. I mean, I'm not being funny, but if that was me, I'm going, I'm glad you're comfortable. I would have been kicking off. I really, really would. But here's a lovely thought. It's better to have an apparently inactive Jesus in the driving seat than me being active and in the driving seat. Don't let God's stillness cause you illness. Don't let the fact that you haven't seen God doing something to sort a situation, to, to cause you to get stressed because you think he's not there. Just because he's still doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Just because he's still, it doesn't mean that he hasn't got all authority and power. Lack of activity does not mean lack of authority. Jesus is full of authority when he appears to be doing anything. Whether he appears to be calm in your storm or not, Jesus is still full of authority. And a, a chilling out, sleeping Jesus is more powerful than anything we can do when we're awake. Sometimes we need to remember that, because I lose track of that. Remember when I, my daughter was younger, my, I won't say which one, because I'll get told off for telling you the exact one. But when my daughter was younger, and we were doing prayers in the night time, she'd say, Jesus and God are here with me, Daddy. And I'd say, yes, of course they are. And inside you're proud, aren't you? I think that's my girl. She knows Jesus and God are with her. And she would always be really happy. Yes, yes. And one night she was less than happy. I said, what's wrong, love? What's wrong? She says, Jesus has gone out for some grapes. And I've not heard that one before. I'm not going to lie. Jesus has gone out for some grapes. She, he wasn't there, so she was sad. She was unhappy. I want to tell you, Jesus won't go out for some grapes. Not even in the message translation will you find Jesus going out for some grapes. I mean, if it's not in there, you won't find it anywhere. He doesn't go out. He doesn't bail out. He doesn't turn up to your troubles. He's already there. He might look like he's sleeping on the stern and not doing anything on the seat, but he's there. He doesn't, we don't have to invite him in. He's already there. Our peace and faith come with the knowledge that Jesus has power over all storms, whatever their source or whatever their strength. He can quiet them if he chooses. Look at verse 39. It says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet. Be still. Anybody ever wish you had that authority with your children? It'd be great, wouldn't it? it says then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. It wasn't calm. That's interesting. Wonder why the word completely is there. I'm not going to give you an answer. I haven't got a clue. You can have a little look at that yourself. But I always think when you've got these extra words in, because it would have been for me. Sufficient to say um, the waves were calm. I could cope with that. That'd still feel quite good, wouldn't it? After the storm, calm's nice, isn't it? In fact, after the storm, mildly choppy's good. But completely calm. The Greek word that is used for quiet, be still literally means be calm and stay calm. Isn't that lovely? That Jesus isn't just able to calm the waves. He's able to keep them calm. And I think Jesus does that sometimes. He's just like, okay, this has been a stressy. This has been a big one. I'm just going to keep it calm for a while. And sometimes you'll find in your life as believers, you can have calm times, still times, prolonged period of time. And that's Jesus just stilling it. And other times it'll be choppy again. But understand this. Jesus is still there. Starting to begin to draw to an end in my talk in the next uh, five minutes or so. But understand this, for them, the fear of that which was outside of the boat was greater than the faith in who was inside the boat. I want to make sure that my faith in the, in the person who is in the boat is greater than my fear of that which is outside of the boat. Psalm 89 verses 8 to 9 says, O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Verse 41 tells us they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? The word terrified there conveys like an awe and reverence that they felt in the presence of this divine power and the surprise of the storm is now the surprise of the norm do you ever plead with God to do things and say God I believe you can do this you might even allow your faith to say I believe you're gonna do this you might even feel that ramped up in your faith and then when he does do it you go didn't expect that a little bit shocked that that's got sorted And I think sometimes when we go through storms, expected or unexpected, sudden or brewing over a period of time, that we're pleading with God to do stuff, we're asking him to quieten the waves. And then when he does, it can leave us in a state of, I'm not quite sure where I am with this. And sometimes you need people to walk with you in that moment as much as you need people to walk with you in the storm itself. Mark chapter 4 verses 35 to Mark chapter 5 verse 43 shows us when we read that that Jesus' power is over the natural elements, the spiritual realm and the human body. One commentator draws comparison to the fact that the same words that Jesus used to calm this storm were the same words that Jesus used to calm the demonic that you see earlier in Mark's gospel. It's the same be still be calm. And I don't know whether this squall was demonic activity or whether it wasn't. You can decide that for yourself. But what I do know, whether it's the wiles of the enemy bringing the storm or whether it's the storms of life bringing the storm, I do know that though Jesus may look to be sleeping and inactive, he's still got authority over all of that. And all that it takes is one word or a couple of words for him to say, be still, be calm. Sometimes when I'm praying about storms and difficulties and challenges that I am or have experienced, sometimes if I'm really honest, I'm praying in the hope, in the hope that God's going to saw it. I don't know whether he's going to do. But I do know this one thing, folks, that all it takes is for Jesus to stand up and say, be calm, be still. It's all it takes for him to, to deal with the storms. So make sure that you don't let the waves of your storm wash away the words that the scripture talk about and that are spoken over your life. Verse 35, let us go over to the other side, Jesus did. Right, the first bit of our reading, Jesus, it was under no illusion. Jesus wasn't in the boat going, oh, I wish I had promised them i get them over to the other side because this is an absolute meh of a situation. No, it didn't change it. Why? Because it was Jesus' intention to go to the other side. He was in the boat with them. Therefore, they were going to the other side. It might not feel like it. It might not seem it. But they were going to the other side. From Jesus' perspective, he was never in doubt. It was always his intention. But they'd forgotten. Folks, remember the other shore. Don't just remember the other side. Also remember who's on our side. And whatever he speaks is going to happen, is going to be true. Shall we pray? I'd like to invite the worship team up. We're going to sing a song in a few moments' time that um, really uh, resonates with this God's been speaking to us through the service in various worship songs about what we've been talking about. I was so encouraged when, uh, when we navigated our way through the service and various songs that we've already sung. In the first service, we, we sang this as a response also. We sang it in the first service before I preached, and I was so taken by it. So uh, the worship group have very kindly just readjusted things. So we're going we're gonna to sing this song as a response um, you'll be familiar with the song, it, it basically talks about storms and winds and rains and uh, lashing and introduces the concept of a solid ground, we'll know that from Matthew and uh, we, we can stand on solid ground can't we, what waves come to bash us but I am aware and uh, please feel free just to tinkle something appropriately spiritual if that's alright sir and um, we're, gonna, we're just going to respond we're just going to respond. Um, I, I, was, um, I was really convinced that this was the right thing to speak on this morning. And, and this is not a word of knowledge because we're all going through storms. We, we ascertain that right at the beginning. Big ones, small ones. We've, or, or we've been through one or we can see one brewing. So I'm not going to say, oh, there are people here today and you're going through storms as if it's some kind of you know, prophetic insight. Um, because actually it's not a word of knowledge, it's common knowledge. But what I do want to say to you is, even if Jesus, some of you here this morning, and you might be thinking that Jesus is asleep. In fact, you might be thinking, it's so jolly quiet, I don't even know if he's in the boat anymore. It feels like that sometimes, right? And I I just want to pray over you. I want to pray that Jesus says over you, peace, be still. I want to pray that he reminds you that an an apparently inactive God uh, doesn't mean that he's not active, just means we don't see what he's doing. And I want to pray, I do want to pray for the storms to, to calm down. I want Jesus to say over your life this morning, peace be still, and I want the storms to calm down. But they were still in the storm and we still have to go through storms, so I want to pray. That when you're going through storms, if you're going through a storm right now, yes, we're believing Jesus is going to speak those words. But I want to pray for you this morning that you will know that Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. And I think there's something quite significant and profound about him sleeping in the place where the person was meant to steer it. That's faith, isn't it? That's trust. And so I want to pray for you. I don't feel particularly, sometimes it's right that we invite people out And we pray for you. If you would like somebody to pray for you specifically, then come and see us at the end. The end would love to to do that. But I do feel it's right to invite a a response by means of standing. And then I'm I'm just going to pray over you. And then we're going to continue the prayer by singing uh, this song, which is so appropriate, so powerful. And so I'd like to invite you this morning. I wonder whether we might just close our eyes. I often think it's, it's just nice. Isn't it? it just makes it a bit, more, a bit more personal, a little bit more between you and God. And I'll, I'll open my eyes in a few moments just, just so I'm aware that there are people standing so I can just make sure I'm praying correctly. But I promise you I'm not going to come down and pray for you. I'm not then going to call you out. I'm just going to literally invite you to stand and then I'll pray from where I am. And then we'll invite everybody else to stand and we'll sing this song together as a prayer so that we can start this year on your marks, get set, go. We can be ready for whatever comes to us and comes at us, whatever storms come at us this year. And uh, the church is going into a, a new spiritual place and a new physical place. And whenever you're pushing forward in Jesus... There's always going to be storms. There'll be some storms involved in the moving of the property and all that kind of stuff as well. So I just feel like this church and the people in it are a key place. So we just want to we just want to pray. So if that's you, just where you are, stand up. If you've been through a storm in a storm fearful of a storm or whatever then just just where you are just stand up a few people have already stood I'm just going to wait for a few moments more you just stand where you are it's not about the numbers if there's one person standing that's fine for me but just want to make sure I give some space uh for those of you who are who are in that storm or or, or worried about a storm or just after a storm and there's all that emotional fallout just Wait for a few seconds more. Is there anyone else? You just want me to include you in my final prayer. That's lovely. God bless you. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to go straight into singing our our final song today. So God, we, we bring these people to you. And Lord, I bring myself to you because I've been through some storms. And uh, this last year and... In some of those storm areas, I'm finding myself just in the after storm moment. Father, I want to pray for us wherever we are, whether we're in the after storm moment, whether we're right in the storm or whether we can just see a storm brewing. Lord, I pray that we will know that you're with us. And though there may be times where it might look like you're asleep, And sometimes it might look like this storm is like nothing I have ever, ever seen before. Help us to know you're in the boat with us. Father, I do pray that you would speak over our wind and over our waves. Peace. Be still. I do ask that you'll do that, Lord. Because all it takes is those powerful, powerful words from you. And whatever the source of the storm, we won't concern ourselves with. What we'll concern ourselves with is Jesus you saying, be still, be calm, and remain calm. So I do pray that. But Lord, I also do pray that we'll learn to trust you when you're quiet. We'll learn to trust you when you a appear inactive because even in an apparently inactive Jesus there's authority and there's power so I just lift myself and my friends to you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit